is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host this week, the A-game, Adam Bailey, elder of Grassroots Church here in good old GBCWV, joined again, as always, by the main man himself, lead elder of Grassroots Church, a man who had his tonsils removed twice, Darren Cherry. Weren't expecting that, were you? I don't know what to say to it. I have both my tonsils. Do you know what movie that came from? No. What's it from? Really? You, you. I really don't. Yeah, the movie guy. I don't, I don't you know. You who love all Christmas movies. I know. What is that from? It might be The Grinch. Remember the mayor in the Grinch? Jim Carrey's The Grinch? So I like that movie. Kelly hates it, and so I never get to watch it. See, as we're recording this, today for us, it is November the 5th. Yeah. Darren, are you Christmas mode? I'm Christmas music mode. No decorations yet. No, we, no we Christmas go, shopping. We go full on. Our family, I think we all agree, my favorite holiday of the whole year is July 4th. There's a few reasons. I love the, I love the Americana of it. I love the, it's the height of summer, long days. Um, I love cookouts, so we have cookouts. I love fireworks family. I love 4th of July. But as a family, as a whole, our favorite holiday of the year is Thanksgiving. And for a few reasons. One, uh, Luke always says it's um, family, food, football, football, and Black Friday. For, for a number of years now, for Kelly and I, it's been 15 plus years. We go Black Friday shopping. We love it. We love the chaos. We absolutely love the chaos. And now this will probably be the sixth year that Luke and Gavin have gone with us. Like, they love it as well. We don't know what it's going to look like this year, but Thanksgiving's our favorite, so we go full on. We decorate the house for Thanksgiving. We love Thanksgiving. But starting November 1st, oh, it's Christmas music time. We're on Christmas music. So, yep. Yeah, when do you guys put up your Christmas tree? Uh, We travel on Thanksgiving, and we usually get back Saturday um, after Thanksgiving, so typically the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the Christmas tree goes up. Yeah, I th- I'm happy celebrating Christmas, like begin celebrating Christmas, uh, January first. <laughs> January first. No, all the, the way the to week, December twenty. The week of Thanksgiving. I like to group all the holidays together. Personally, give me Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Like that's just one big thing. Honestly. Well, let me let the me ask holidays. you a quick question because it does get grouped together for us. So we, we've always traveled on Thanksgiving. We go see Kelly's family. We go see my family. Now, Kelly's family lives here, so they come here now. Everybody else comes here. But whoever we celebrate Thanksgiving with that year, that we also celebrate Christmas. So what happens is we have Thanksgiving. On Friday, everybody helps decorate for Christmas. And then Friday night, we exchange Christmas gifts with that family. So do you all do that, or do you go visit family for Thanksgiving and go visit family for Christmas? Or how do y'all? Because of my work schedule, uh, probably will have to work most Thanksgivings. So I don't, I don't like to travel. My family lives, you know, Ironton and in Hurricane, out that way. So that's a bit of a travel. I don't like, um, during the actual holiday, I want to be home. I want to wake up in my own bed on the holidays. Oh, so you. usually what you. we do, Thanksgiving's pretty simple. Jesse's parents hi brian hi ann i know you're listening <laughs> not are they they're not oh, no. Anne never catches it come on yeah Anne. she might maybe sometimes whenever jesse's around her and jesse's listening to it <laughs> by by proxy i count it though absolutely but we'll usually do thanksgiving at their house 
Uh, Jesse's sister likes to do Black Friday shopping on Thanksgiving. Nope. Controversial, not happening this nope. year. I'm not saying this so, against Jesse's so usually sister. Thanksgiving but during the day, I'm here. I have to work during the week. It's crazy at the hotel. People are everywhere. But for my family, I, I we try to put Thanksgiving and Christmas hour get together, like gift exchange meal, on a couple week, like a couple Saturdays before Christmas. Okay. Like push them all together. I know my family; they're doing thanksgiving themselves on thanksgiving i just i can't travel because of my work schedule Which but what we quick. can do is like december the 19th we'll be in ironton and we'll hang out and we'll do christmas and it'll be kind of like a thanksgiving meal and yeah let me, that'll let be me that. ask let me ask real quick all right well first of all yeah we gotta we for gotta anybody go. who's catching this this is not against jesse this isn't against your sister it's against everybody who black friday shops on thanksgiving i don't want my i'm with you i don't want my thanksgiving messed with I, I want to wake up in my bed. Oh, well, I, wanna, I said I just don't like to travel on the holidays. I, 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 I want to enjoy the holiday. Yeah, I don't like going Black Friday shopping on. But if people enjoy that, you know, obviously freedom, go do it. Um, but do you you work on Thanksgiving? Sometimes. It's easy for Yeah. It is what it is. When you work in hospitality on such a high level as myself, you don't become employee of the month by, you know, by bailing out time of need. No, you have to. No. Now, you got to put in that work, boy. Because obviously I understand, like, having been in retail, you know, the the shopping season, you know, nobody asks off and, and things like that. But Thanksgiving Day, I, I understand that the resort can be very busy. Absolutely. A lot of people. A lot of families. That's but do you, you do tours? You do... Activities all are all going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't do. I haven't actually worked in, on Thanksgiving Day for the past few years because we have others that have less commitments than what I do. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> if you're catching my drift there. But hey, before we move on, we got a we got a great podcast coming up, y'all. So bear with us. On the count of three, I want you to say with me your favorite Thanksgiving dish. All right. Oh, wait, so wait. A one, two, three, and then we're both gonna say our favorite Thanksgiving dish. Like and the turkey, favorite thing that's at Thanksgiving. The meal. food you eat. Okay. Okay, because I got to think about mine. Actually, I was are you going to say one, two, three, and then we say it? Yeah, okay. one, two, three, and then we just blurt out. Gotcha. And I'm ready. See what happens. I'm totally okay. ready. I'm choosing between two. I, I, I'm torn between two. Okay, I'm going to put them together. I, okay. Uh, let me let me think. Hey, you Should all can play along too. Dessert. Hey, if you're yes. Okay, so main dish first, then dessert. If you're listening to this, feel free to play along. We're all going to say it together. Now, are We're you going to go, go one, two, three, main dish, and then one, two, three, dessert? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. One, two, three. Turkey. Stuffing. Uh, okay. I love the stuffing. Let's get the dessert. So okay. you, got, you got stuffing, I got turkey. All right. I'm feel, uh. They the kind of go together. Also, yeah, they, I was going to say great. mashed potatoes, gravy with the turkey. That just mm, It's a beautiful marriage. It's all good. beautiful marriage. It's all beautiful. It's a covenant relationship. But I love the stuffing. All right, we're going to do desserts. Everybody yep. listening. Munch. Oh, this is so easy. Say it. Say it the same time. On the count of three. One, two, three. Pumpkin, Pumpkin pie. pie. Yes. Mm. Now, I was thinking pumpkin roll there for a second. Which are, are fantastic as well. Pumpkin pie is a little bit more consistent because you have to have it. Yeah. You have to have oh, it. so good. So one year at Kelly's family, there was no pumpkin pie made. And you have to understand, her family is like, like Rodney dessert and crazy. Yeah. Ah, uh, Rodney like Connie. Dessert crazy. Somebody had made, and I'm using air quotes here, pumpkin pie, and they fooled me. It was made out of squash. Sweet. Oh, yeah, you can do that. But it totally tastes like pumpkin pie, so I took it. Now, quick it's like question. sweet potato pie. Question. Sweet potato casserole? That's good, too. It but is. with the marshmallows? Man, we're talking. <laughs> this is getting tough right yeah, now. Yeah, we, we will go. We're going somewhere with this. <laughs> okay. Um, so pumpkin pie. Uh-huh. Do you put anything on it? 
if available, I'm going to put whipped cream you on it. You have to have whipped cream. Like, yeah. I love whipped cream it's, on It's Thanksgiving. Brownies. You got to yes. go big. We absolutely We don't it. play around on Thanksgiving. Nope. Hey, everybody listening, hope you enjoyed that little game. If you want to give us any feedback. On why stuffing is the best. Turkey. Anyway, grassrootswv.com. <laughs> Reach out via text. <laughs> call us. Call us, and we'll put you on the podcast so you can explain to us why you're wrong. Yep. Um, but really, thank you for joining the discussion. We, we do have, we actually have something we want to talk about today. Something very important. Yeah, something important. That is the subject of burnout. Yep. We're talking about burnout. Burnout. Which is prevalent. But to kind of preface this whole conversation, I know we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but just in case anybody did not catch that podcast, which you can always go back and check them out, something weird happens after seven years. For example... They say that the most difficult year of marriage is year seven. Matter of fact, I, I, I don't know if it's a real thing, but someone joked. I heard a joke once. They called it the seven-year itch. You ever heard that, Darren? Oh, yeah. And, and the punchline was like, you got to get someone to scratch it. I don't know. Super bad. But anyway, something weird happens on, on the seventh year of marriage. For counselors, the average time they spend in the counseling profession, like these are licensed professional counselors, seven years. They spend seven, tier, t- seven years being a full-time counselor. The average seminary graduate spends an average of seven years in full-time ministry. It's like seven years all over the place. Uh, Jesse was telling me that the average time that an education major, after graduating, spends time full-time education, seven years. And this Sunday, this past Sunday. Yep. What was it? It's Grassroots' birthday. It was our seven-year anniversary of the oh, day we planted Grassroots. So something weird. This happening during seven years. Uh, how long is the tribulation technically? Was that seven years? Yes. Huh. Anyway, food for th- if yeah, if you if you are in that line, if you're of in that line of theology, it's seven years, three eschatology. and a half years of peace, three and a half years of chaos, seven years tribulation. And we're seeing now because of COVID, you know, it's turned a lot of things upside down. But with pastors, it's been it's been really really hard on pastors and on churches. You know, pastors, they do have a full-time pastors have a lot on their plate already. Now, this does not apply to me. I'm a lay elder. I'm not full-time pastor. I'm not staff. Anything and like that. we're not that. making light of that. You are, you are vital yeah. to the ministry here, and lay elders are vital to the ministry of their churches. They're not making light of that at all. All right. I don't have any cash on me, Darren, so. Just buy um, breakfast next man, time. Man, you bought me breakfast today, and you're complimenting me. It's a good day. Thanks, man. It's a good Thanks, day, dude. Thanksgiving's coming. We're in a good mood. <laughs> I'm in a really good mood. Uh, especially because of the elect. <laughs> oh, that was close. Uh, I'm not. I was going to make a joke about the election, but I, I we're not going hey, there today. You know what we can agree on? We're hey. glad. We're glad it's over. We know it's not been decided, but we're glad the election. Moving on, over. y'all. Signs are coming down. Oh, amen. Get that stuff out of there. Blocking my view of the of the intersection. But anyway, it's been really, really hard on pastors. Pastors are discouraged. In churches, generally speaking, for the past few years, attendance has gone down. Younger folk aren't coming to church like they going to church like they used to, or being a part of a church like they used to. I mean, numbers are just going down. Giving's been down, and then you throw COVID on top of it, so you have these pastors tasked with the responsibility of guiding a local church through: can we meet in person? Can we not meet in person? It's all over the place. So a lot of them are just tapping out and quitting. It's almost like COVID has exacerbated their burnout. So we're gonna be talking about burnout today. And if you're wondering burnout, if you were to look it up 
I don't know if it's dictionary.com. Siri told me the other day. I was having a conversation I with Siri. I thought she didn't use Siri anymore. Well, she can define words sometimes. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't like I, I don't like calling upon Siri. She's she, I've always I like Apple products, which is a discussion I'd love to have. I'd love to have a podcast dedicated to Apple versus other tech products, but that's not very beneficial to anybody, but Siri is subpar. Do you know terrible we can assistant. do that as a bonus episode and guess who we can invite on the Oh, Larry. Larry would love to talk about Apple. Mr. Bowman. No. Consider yourself invited. Now, we'll get you on here one day. But anyway. We'll invite, we'll invite Michael Vance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, but anyway. And Nick. That way, you and Nick could sit there on the side of Apple, and Michael and I could sit here on the side of Android. Grassroots has become an Apple church. Not entirely. Mm, we're leaning more Apple. The... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting in the middle of the political season. We're leaning more Apple. Apple. Um, The lead elder and his wife have nothing to do with Apple. Okay. What what are we using right now? You have nothing to do with Apple? I have no Apple products. I have a bag of apples in my fridge. (laughs) And that's the closest we get to Apple products in our house. Burnout, anyway, is whenever you are emotionally, physically... Or mentally drained. And I think about it. Think about, you know, NASCAR. You win the race, go go do a burnout. You know, you got the checker flag hanging out your window. If you ever watch NASCAR, you want to go do some donuts and do burnouts. You know, you push the accelerator down. Bunch of fuel goes everywhere. Boom, things are blowing up. It's just like an extreme burning of fuel. And eventually the fuel runs out. Like it's mental, physical, emotional exhaustion. Like your fuel is just burned up entirely. You don't want to do something anymore. You see this in a lot of different professions, too. Some will say that you should get a job. You should be a professional in a field that you enjoy. Make your hobby professional. If you enjoy making videos or editing videos, do that full-time. Get paid for it. And then suddenly people lose joy. They One day they realize, I don't like making videos anymore. This thing that I thought I enjoyed, I just, I'm tired and I don't want to do it anymore. They lose interest in it. They lose motivation in it. And you see that happen in ministry. And we want, kind of want to talk about that. Now, we're looking at burnout through the lens of church leadership. If you're listening to this and you're not a church leader, which there's a good chance you're not, uh, in Francis Chan's letter to the church, I think it was chapter six. I was just reading it yesterday, coincidentally enough. But he was talking about shepherding. You might not be a pastor of a church if you're listening to this. You might not be an elder. You might, you know, you might not be in, a, in that official position. But everybody leads somebody. If you're not leading somebody, then something's wrong. If you're an adult, you should have those looking up to you, modeling themselves after you in some way. If you're an older woman, you should have younger women looking up to you. you should be leading somebody. So everybody is leading somebody. So. Across the line of all these different different professions, don't think just because we're talking about being a pastor, this doesn't apply to you. We're just looking at it from that lens. That's something we want to address and maybe give you a few pointers to avoid that burnout altogether. Now, I do have seven reasons here. I found this uh, by, I'm going to say the Rainier Project. Anyway, I found it on YouTube. It seemed legitimate, but I got seven reasons why pastors burn out. And if you're listening, you're not a pastor, this can still apply to you, right? We're all leaders on some capacity. But before we get into that, Darren, question for you. Yeah. Darren Cherry, lead elder of Grassroots Church, monumental, been in ministry forever. I mean, staple, hero, role model. Eh. 
You're on the Mount Rushmore of theologians. <laughs> right. right up there. Uh, you ever thought about quitting ministry? There's something, and, and you and I go back and forth on whether we like him or not. You like him, I don't. Uh, Mark Driscoll. But one thing he said a um, long time ago, he calls it Bread Truck Monday, where you get through Sunday, you get to Monday, and you're just so wore out. You're kind of beat down, maybe from a bad weekend, a bad season, whatever. And you get to what he calls Bread Truck Monday, which means you wish you could just wake up on Monday and drive a bread truck. And at least if you get hungry, you could pull over and make a sandwich. That's, that's what he called it. And what it is is just this idea of sometimes you're just like, I'm just done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Or, or a lot of times it's you're looking around the church that you lead and you go, this doesn't look like I thought it was going to. And I don't mean like I thought this would be better. Like you don't feel like you're leading as well as you should be or as well as somebody else could be. And so you get to Monday just going, maybe I shouldn't be here. That doesn't sound so much like you've ever thought about quitting as much as you felt exhausted and frustrated. Yeah, I've never uh, I hope this will be taken by the way I mean it. Like and I'm putting you on the spot right now. That's if you're okay, listening yeah. to this like he he does not have these questions beforehand. Nope. So I get is... to just fly off the cuff. Um I have kind of dreamed about not like in a romantic idea, you know, but just dreamed about, hey, what if I just had a nine to five where I went to work at nine, I came home at five and that's it. <laughs> you would be miserable. <laughs> I, I probably would. Your personality. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't think you like that. I don't that. like set schedules, but, but just being able to have work that stayed at work and to just, you know, not have the demands and not have the weight of it and everything. I have dreamed about that. Like, what would it be like? But, um, I've never, I've never, never come seriously to the considered point of quitting. it. Well, that's the number one reason why pastors experience burnout. Is that? Hold on, let me look at my list. I didn't even have it up. I thought it was going to be a good segue, and I ruined it because that's I didn't right. have I'm it. I'm going to either confirm or deny, affirm or deny whether okay. this is a real reason. One reason why the first reason why pastors burn out is the 24-hour mentality. You can't clock out when you're a pastor. You're still going to get text. Yep. You're still going to get calls. You're going to have to meet with individuals. You don't preach on a Sunday morning, go home, and see everybody else next Sunday. So do you affirm, or would it be confirm or deny? How are we going to do that? If there's a preacher that preaches on Sunday morning and then goes home and waits to see everybody the following Sunday, okay, that guy is a preacher, not a pastor. He is not Ooh, caring for his Is that people. a hot take? It should just be like widely accepted. <laughs> like, remember, before you do hot takes, you got to let me know. I do. Yeah. Okay. We don't the, don't, the intro don't be controversial unless tell me bad. A strike but, one. Uh, Are you confirming or denying that? I'm definitely confirming that the 24 seven thing burns out. And and I do want to take the opportunity to like just absolutely give glory to God and uh, and thanks to our people. Um, so many of our people here at the church are, I'm trying to think of the word, cognizant. Uh, they're aware of, of the need for me to spend time with my family. Yeah. And so, by and large, when people are getting a hold of me, they're like, hey, 
is this an okay time? Are, are you hanging with your family? What's going on? Can I talk? You know, it's not just, hey, where are you? I need to, I need to talk. It, it, by and large, sometimes it's that. Um, but, but then our church is, we built so much around the small group model that the church in such an awesome way takes care of each other that there are actually times that I kind of feel a little bit unneeded. And not in a bad way, not like, well, nobody wants me around. I can't do anything right. Yeah, like it's not that, but it's just like, wow, the church is taking care of itself. And I I, I find out about needs that were met, and I'm like, I didn't even know about it. I'm like, well, we got it taken care of. It's like, thank you, Lord. So, yeah, the de- but definitely the 24-7, where the, the church body thinks that the pastor should be at their fingertips 24-7, whatever they need. Gotcha. That's that might be different for other professions too. But yeah. if you are a supervisor or a manager, it's hard to leave work at work. I mean, especially if your identity is in your profession. Mm-hmm. Number two, conflict slash criticism. <laughs> if <laughs> oh goodness, if you are any type of leader on any type of level, big small, whatever, and you're not receiving criticism, if you're not involved in some healthy conflict. I don't think you're a leader. You're probably not doing anything. Yeah, but it can be overwhelming you know, for pastors in particular. You know, if you put your heart and soul, Darren, into a sermon on a Sunday morning and you, you think it falls flat and then someone comes and they correct. I mean, That's and that tough. happens several times. You put your heart and soul in something and it doesn't work. Just that conflict. And, and you need criticism. If you're listening to this and you're part of Grassroots Church, I welcome criticism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as long as you're nice about it, don't be a jerk. Door. Don't be a jerk. But would you affirm, yeah. or, I mean, confirm or deny that one reason that pastors burn out after seven years typically is because of constant criticism? Yeah, the conflict criticism, I'll break into two things. The conflict, um, it, people are together. People are in close proximity. There's going to be conflict. If you're married, you know that. Okay. If you work with people, you know that. If you live with people, you know that. So conflict will come. The conflict they're probably talking about is um, when basically, you know, the church wants you gone, and that that type of conflict, or at every single turn, like, hey, the church would like to start this ministry, and it's met with conflict. Hey, the church would like to change this about the building, and it's met with conflict and, and things like that. The constant criticism, I think, is the one where that's just an overtime breaking you down, where people people have no problem criticizing. But two things. One, on the flip side, when you do good, they don't say anything about that. Or they criticize, but they don't have a good alternative route to take. That is one rule I wish I can institute in every small group setting. Do not criticize anything unless you can propose an alternative. So many people are quick to call. This is wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. This is wrong. Get rid of Obamacare. It's all right. What are you going to replace it with? Ah, not Obamacare. I'm just saying I'm not being, I'm being political. That was a low blow. So are you? So you're confirming that Absolutely. criticism? It's hard to handle criticism Absolutely. too. If you are, you know, shepherding a group of people, you care about them, and then someone yeah. 
criticizes you, it, it can be hard. But I do have to give a shout out to our grassroots family. Uh, yes, again. super encouraging. Even when I've fallen short on some areas, no one's ever you know kicked me when I'm down. They've actually picked me up and walked that walk with me. So thank you, grassroots. Well, and that's the thing. I think the people within grassroots that are the quickest to come to us with, and I'll just say criticism, healthy criticism, are also the same people that are constantly like, thank you for all oh, you absolutely. do. Thank you for this. Thank you I for that. I can't think and of a so, single... Hmm. Well, maybe not anymore. <laughs> but I can't think of anybody right now involved in our church community that is hatefully critical. Just flat out critical. And I don't, not, I don't no. our Our folks, they're not like that. But I think... I And I will, to shout out to them, and then also what God has done in our lives as leadership is we are humble enough to... Boy, that sounds really arrogant. We are, we so, are humble. so humble. That Malto ye selves after us. Again, again I, I reiterate the work God has done in us as leadership is that we are humble enough to receive criticism. And so if you have somebody, I think you already touched on it, somebody who builds our identity on their leadership or yeah. what they're leading, as soon as criticism comes, you're, you're kind of approaching that idol of their identity, and so they will lash out. For us, our identity is not built on the leading of the church, okay? It's built on Christ, and so when we receive criticism, what do we do? We might, we might flare up. We might kind of bow up and be like, hold up, you know, but... I rant on Facebook. Yes, and, but it lets it get out there. No, but, but it does help us to... We listen. We, we might flare up. We might want to lash out, but, but ultimately we... we we chew on it, we digest it, we work through it, we think about it, and then we move forward with whoever has said whatever, and, and we work through it. And so, yeah. um, so I'm thankful for the way that, you know, criticism and conflict. It works, yeah. And, yeah, but and I think that, too, that also, this works off. with counselors as well. If you're a professional counselor, day in and day out, you're hearing everyone's issues and their deep, dark issues, and, you know, same thing with pastors. You're living life with people, and marriages are struggling, and someone you really like messes up really bad, and you're sharing the burdens with them. That conflict can weigh you down, too. And if a pastor is, you know, full-time, you know, Sunday through Saturday, being there and sharing burdens, I think that that can weigh somebody down. So, anyway, we're... You are confirming that. So, so yep. far, two for two. Yep. And these are things, just so y'all know, these are things that I have seen. My father's been a pastor for over 40 years, so I was raised in the ministry. Um, I've seen behind the curtain both as a child, as a teenager, um, as a volunteer, and then I've been in ministry myself for almost 20 years. And so I, I've I have a pretty good... You say you know your stuff, man. Yeah, you I've say, been around. And so these are things. These aren't just things going... Yeah, I could see that. Okay. So we got one, that 24-hour mentality. Two, yep. conflict Absolutely. and criticism. Number three, reason why pastors burn out, again, which I think applies to other people and other professions, expectations. Particularly with pastors, though, it's that pastors don't know everything, they can't be everywhere, and they can't do everything. So the churches that seem to, well, no, not churches, I can't put that on them, <clears throat> but the pastors that are quitting during this COVID thing, I think that's a huge reason why a lot of them are, there's not a plurality of church leadership. Everything is on their plate. And the expectations that they put forward, the expectations from those in the church body towards them are that the pastor will do everything, that our pastor knows everything, that our, you know, all these expectations to where, you know, pastor wakes up and it's like, I just, you know, I'm not meeting these expectations, and I'm, I'm tapping out. I'm, I'm going to affirm that, but with a caveat. Ooh. And you already touched on it. 
you, you just said it. I think it comes from two things. One, a church being unrealistic. The pastor does not have all the answers. The pastor does not have all of the, you know, the knowledge. The pastor does not have, you know, 100% of the vision of, you know, the church or anything like that. But I'm also going to put it on the pastors. And there is a hero mentality within the ministry of I'm needed, I'm wanted, and, and so they don't delegate well. They don't empower others well. Which, I by the way, number four, you already touched on it right there. So that was number three. Oh, okay. Can't do everything, can't be everywhere, doesn't know everything. Number four is church is not equipped. Yes, the, the pastor does everything because, and, and this is something you have to learn over time, the pastor or the leader in an organization or, listen, even I'm, I'll go, the manager at McDonald's, you know, who can't delegate responsibilities to empower others to do these things, to, to teach others because the hero mentality or nobody's going to do it as well as me, and so I'm going to do it. Um, I had to learn this, you know, I was, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And again, by God's grace, when we planted Grassroots in 2013, um, we are still in the same town as the church I was the youth pastor at last. They were our sending church. You know, they empowered us to go do this. But I got to go back a couple months after leaving and teach in the youth group. And do you know what I found out? That you are the bomb diggity, brah that nobody cared that I was there. I, <laughs> oh, they, don't the, be so hard on yourself. The teens didn't. When I used to go, when, you know, when we'd have our youth group time, the teens were always coming, hey, I need to talk. Can we pray? Can we talk? I, I need some advice and all this. And then I show up, and these are the same teens. Like, they weren't strangers. These are the same teens. They didn't care. Like, they weren't coming to me anymore. And so I realized, you know, Grassroots Church, I was the, the lead elder that, that was a part of the team that planted the church. I've been the lead elder. And if, you know, 15 years from now, you know, or 20 years from now, whatever it is, the Lord moves me, you know, from this church, brings in another pastor, this church will still go on. These people will still, you know, move the kingdom forward. That's, it's not me. Jesus on Leadership, the book. Yes. That's what, I yeah, forgot the author. Book. What's the author's name? Uh, C. Gene Wilkes. Yep. That's one thing you mentioned is that the prevailing mentality or the thought is that if you're the leader of something, that something is so dependent on you. You know, if you're a leader of a church, that church is so dependent on you. That's what means a good that's what makes a good leader. But in all honesty, if you are a good leader, if you're leading by serving and building up other leaders and training them and really just pouring yourself into them. You should be able to, you know you're a good leader when you can leave that organization and it continues to function properly. Absolutely. You have to equip others. It's not, not all on you. So Well, and it, there's a term, it's called work yourself out of a job, where you empower others. You realize you're just not as important as you thought you were or you're not as needed as you thought you were. Um, there's another term, it's called make yourself indispensable. And those are the people that will take on all the responsibility and make themselves so indispensable that if they leave, it will collapse. And that's, that's not leadership. And that's how you feel bad about yourself. You stumble, you fall, you can't do something, the whole thing collapses because you yeah, that's fell down. Man, that's just sad. I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, three and four, they kind of go together there. So yeah, um, unreal expectations for pastors. And then number four is that churches just tend to not be as equipped as they should. And, number and, and real quick, before you go on, 
that is very hard to learn to delegate. Yeah, you got to turn it over. But was there, it hard for you to let me delegate, Darren? Or no, delegate to me. Is it hard? Is it hard? It hasn't Is been a hard dad to let me drive. We've built drive so daddy? much trust. It's the same way. If I turn something over to Nick and Rain, I trust them to to roll with it. Our small group leaders, our grassroots group leaders, they they're so I trust them so. Our deacons, I don't second guess. Like it, we're so blessed by the leadership. But but in the delegation, just so everybody get get this, whether you're a leadership, whether you know it's your family, it's it's an organization, supervisor, it's a church, whatever it is. Everybody has a capacity to the amount of people that they can lead on their own. For me personally, it's around 40 to 50. I can lead 40 to 50 people on my own pretty effectively, okay? For others, it's bigger. For some, it's smaller, okay? But for the church to continue to grow, and we have, it's because more people take ownership and the leadership gives them ownership and empowers them, and so it grows beyond one person making disciples awesome so we're we've confirmed all four of those number five no friends oh pastors have no friends they're alone that's one reason why we wanted to start this podcast was that oh we're basically inviting people into our conversation because we're friends we're friends we are friends i never want anyone to look at me or just to meet me out and about find out that i am an elder of a church and to treat me differently i'm a I'm a person loves the Lord that's serving as a leader. That's the way I see it. I oh, real quick, have you ever have you ever been talking to somebody and they're like cussing and everything, and then they find out you're like you're a Christian, and they go, "Oh, I'm sorry," and they try to change. It's like that's the other way around. I start cussing. Oh, and they, okay. Then you just yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I want people to be able to be themselves. Like, be genuine. Don't put on a face to be around anybody. Yeah. But pastors present themselves as these. Okay, let me bulk myself back a little bit. Pastor is no more. Elder, they're not holier than anybody else. They're just leading in a different level. Like, if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, understand that. It's just a different, it's a unique type of way to serve. Yeah. And it's hard for people to connect to pastors that put out a very righteous vibe because they people can't be themselves around them. So why would you hang out with a person that you can't be yourself around? And talk about... Who yeah. can you be honest with? And then... Oh, goodness. Talk about no friends. It, it's... It's easy because everybody wants to, and I'm trying to say this lovingly, everybody takes from the pastor. Hey, pastor, can we talk? Can you, can you pray with us? I've got this friend. Can you go over there and help me share the gospel with them? You know, my grandma's sick. Can we go to the hospital and see them? Uh, will you do our wedding? Will you do this funeral? You know, teaching, vision. Everybody takes from the pastor, and not many people pour into their pastor, and so it's easy for the pastor to very quickly become isolated because a friendship is give and take. It's right. pour into, it's received from. Um, and so it's easy for the pastor to become isolated. Uh, I am thankful for multiple levels of friendship within my life. We had a yeah, podcast different on tiers, that. We know. Um, yeah, we had a podcast. On tier that three, earlier. baby. Woo. <laughs> I actually wanted to have a podcast topic Did I say about. You're tier French. three? Yeah. I thought you were tier two. No. You're tier two. Y'all go back and listen to it. Get my back here. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Kelly, then Jimmy, and then me and a couple other dudes. I thought, I know I had <laughs> Kelly tier one. Tier, 
It's it's a pyramid scheme. You know what? You know what we're gonna do? Kelly's we're my gonna, best friend now. We're gonna reorganize. I'm gonna, right now. I'm gonna befriend Jimmy. We're gonna reorganize right He's now. He's gonna like me better than you. Kelly is Kelly is tier one. Never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's tier one. Tier two. I see in tier two. I do see, of course, Jimmy. I see you. I see Nick. Dude, I moved up. All right, Nick. We yeah. moved up. If you're listening think, to this, Nick, I we're making it. Legit. Kelly better watch your back. Yeah. That's yeah, Kelly. Look Whoa. out, Kelly. We're coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I spent as much time with you as her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but but no, seriously, tier one, two, but but yeah, friendship. I'm I'm thankful for multiple levels. And then also something that's huge that I know a lot of a lot of pastors don't have is I have some pastor friends in the area. Um you know, that are pastors of other churches that I am very close to, that we meet regularly and, and we're able to be ourselves. And we talk church life. We talk, you know, theology. We just talk life. And so, but no friends, you are, it's, there's two terms that's given to ministry. One is uh, Lone Ranger. Okay, you're going to save the world on your own. And that's, I'm a know, loner and a loner's got to be alone. Like that, that commercial? What inch, was it a progressive commercial? Was it progressive or was it a, a Liberty Mutual? I don't know, but it's got the guy on the horse. It's out, like out west. And she's like, no, don't leave me. He's like, sorry, dear. I'm a loner. And a loner's got to be alone. Yeah, that's not what Liberty was Mutual. It? That might have been progressive. progressive. But, uh, but the Lone Ranger and then the other one is you're on an island. So, so you think that that Absolutely. is one reason pastors Absolutely. feel alone and they don't have any friends. Absolutely. It's, and real quick, it's not that they don't have friends. They have a lot of, and we've talked about this, social media. A lot of people have friends on social media. Those are just people that you are acquaintances with. They do not know you on a deeper level. The pastor knows a lot of people and is friendly with a lot of people. But people that are on a deeper level that know what he's going through and don't just take but also pour into, that's when it narrows down. I feel like I can reveal parts, certain parts of myself to some that I would never reveal to others. Oh, yeah, and everybody has that. Yeah, yeah so and it, but you that. on that deeper level, yeah, totally. Uh, number So we've gone one through five, and we've affirmed all these. Yeah, way to go, Rainier Project. Yep. Check out their podcast. It's doing well. Support them. I have no idea about them or their theology. Don't hold me to that. No, they're like decent. The they're decent. Are yeah. they? Tom Rainier, yeah, the he's guys, good. Yeah, Tom Rainier, he's, he's seem all right. He seemed all right. Hey, Tom, you're listening. Appreciate the list. Yep. Number six, though. <laughs> kind of goes back it. to the de- delegating Let's thing. Let's hear it. I want to I guess something that you're going to assume after I say this, but another reason why pastors burn out is that they're not suited for some tasks. What am I going to assume? You sometimes will say, and there may be some validity to this, that you're not a very organized person. There's a lot of validity to that. If you were to take on a role where you're having to organize something, we say, you say, we say, we all say, Pick any of those subjects. <laughs> you got to put round pegs in round holes, <laughs> square pegs in square. Yeah, we square say that all the time. So, you know, if you are a leader and you're not that great at organizing, maybe don't put yourself in a role where you have to organize a lot. If yeah. you're someone, if you're not, if you're not comfortable being up front, being outspoken about certain things, maybe don't put yourself up front. Mm-hmm. You know, work with someone with that. So, pastors, people, professionals will bring on tasks themselves that they're not suited at. It might bring out stress. They're not being successful in that, so they, I'm done, tapping out. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's one reason why pastors burn out? They are not suited for some tasks. Absolutely, and I think it goes into pastors not being honest with themselves. Okay. Um, 
if if I'm given the the task of or organization, I will do my absolute best. I really will. I will give it my all. I will do my best. However, it will not be successful to the level of somebody who's got that gift of administration. All right. And so when we when we take that, you know, being honest with yourself and and knowing your gifts and and being suited for things, you are gonna know your weaknesses. You're gonna be honest about those. And you are going to surround yourself as a leader, whether in a church, organization, whatever, you're going to surround yourself with people that are strong where you're weak, which is why you and I have been saying it for months. You know, Mark Henson as an elder candidate is gifted way different than you and I. Henson narrative. The Henson narrative. He is, he is going to bring something Just to listen the to last week's team. podcast, everyone. If yes. you didn't listen, Mark was on the podcast last week. We're talking about authority. He's very. He's, he he's looks different. at things differently than we do. He reacts better differently. Better is what we call it. No, best. Oh, he, best. Yeah, better, I was good. Best. You're better. He's best. Yep. And so, that's that's the point: is surrounding yourself with people that that are gifted where you're not, so that your gifts can best be used. Their gifts can best be used. You don't need within a church on the elder board that we have. We don't need six people like me. We don't want six people. Well, like I mean, me. I am a. I think one reason why some, including myself, would assume that I am a yes man. I'm kidding. I don't actually think that because we disagree occasionally and fight occasionally and forgive occasionally, <laughs> seventy times seven. But you know, we're really similar. Yes, I think we have similar personalities. I'm a little bit more strict in my observance about time, and we we have differences. Yeah, we're able to overcome with like personality wise. I think we work together quite well so it's easy for someone to say i don't mind being called a yes man because when the person you're saying yes to is right <laughs> there's nothing wrong with well, that well you and i were but i hold you accountable though oh you I mean do. i'll and yeah. you hold me accountable absolutely so it's all good but that's you you and i you know we're the guy we 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 are comfortable up front we are comfortable behind a mic we're comfortable leading um, but we do it from a standpoint of relationally. We don't do it authoritatively, okay? Do um, as I say. Yeah, we love to be with people, and we love to teach. And so we're similar in a lot of those ways leadership-wise. Mark, Mark's a dictator. He's terrible. Um, it's chauvinistic. It's so hard to be around him. Um, um, many would compare him to certain historical characters. yes. That he needs to grow a little mustache. Um, no, no. But Clearly, <laughs> Colonel Mustard, right? Are you <laughs> yes, thinking about Mustard it. as well? That's wait, that was, wait. Is it Colonel, Colonel Sanders? Colonel who's Mustard. The, who's the guy that did the charge? Uh, no. Custer's last name. Custer, not yeah. Mustard. <laughs> Colonel Mustard's from <laughs> Clue, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Guys, don't let Mark <laughs> get around a candlestick. Keep him out of the library. If you see Mark in a library with a candlestick. You better and take he a has picture. a mustache. Get the evidence. <laughs> Colonel Mustard. Mark, we're Colonel so sorry. Mustard's last we're stand. So sorry. You remember Colonel Mustard's last stand? It's. It was in the library with the candlestick. Custard, man. <laughs> okay, so General anyway. Mustard. It wasn't Colonel. <laughs> Colonel Sanders. I read a book about him once. I don't okay. remember. Well, but uh, anyway, yeah, we got yeah, a, one Mark, more, a couple more things to go over. Mark is the guy that he's he is comfortable up front, and he does teach well. But he is much more gifted to organize and get people on the same page and to move an organization 
in a direction. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think uh, it, it is a big deal to be honest with yourself, um, to know your strengths and weaknesses, and to allow the church, okay, to know your strengths and weaknesses, and to make sure the church uses their gifts instead of thinking that, that the pastor has been gifted with yeah, every spiritual, spiritual gift. gift. It's a big part of that. You have your gift. Everyone has their own gifts to serve and build up others. Yep. Uh, number seven. This is it. And then we're going to give you all a few, just a little bit of pointers, I guess, if you're experiencing burnout or you know, kind of want to combat that. Number seven, though, is there, for pastors, tends to be no life outside of the church. Whew. Hmm. I hear so many of these, and I'm affirming them. Yeah, like they have no identity outside the church. Some people in their career, some CEOs, executives, their identity is in their position. They're defined by their career. Do you, and then suddenly they don't get joy from it. Man, that's devastating. When your identity is in the success of your small business and your small business begins to go under, it's understandable that then you're going to be kind of bummed out. Yep. Yeah, well, and that was it during the, you know, obviously during the Great Depression, um, you know, more recently, you know, stock market crashes, uh, recessions, things like that, there, were, there was a, an uptick in suicides among uh, financial planners, CEOs, things like that, because their businesses and their identity was so much in their work that was being stripped away. They didn't know who they were, and so they, there was an uptick in suicides. Right. And so, um, again, this goes back to I'm, I'm putting this primarily on the head of the, the elder or the leader of the organization or the manager, whoever it is. I'm putting this on you, but also the church. Um, they, should, they should honor their pastor's desire to have hobbies, to, you know, that they want to spend time with their families. I, I could come from a really good experience here, and I'm going to throw my dad under the bus a little bit. Um, my dad has faithfully served as a pastor for over 40 years, and I mean faithfully. He is, his path in ministry has not been easy. And if anybody, if anybody in the world deserves to just quit the ministry and, and to be honored for what he's done. It's, it's my dad with what he's been through. However, there are things that I think have led to not having a really good path in ministry. We had one one-week vacation a year. That was, I mean, we, we were going one week during the summer. We were going to go see family. We had three places we went to. My uncle was in Chicago. My aunt was in Massachusetts. My grandparents were in Arkansas. We were on a rotation that we were going to see them. And, and we want, he, that was it. And you're talking about 51 weeks out of the year being on. And then one week where you're off. That's, that's disaster for anybody. Uh, during the marriage conference, Les and Leslie Parrott were talking about certain personality What types. book was that from? <sighs> Pick one of their 50. <laughs> I don't know. They told you all of them. You super enthusiastic people, you. <laughs> I love it. I love their enthusiasm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. great. Good conference, though. Oh, I enjoyed it. A lot it. of good conversations have come from that. But they talked about one personality type. I, uh, I forgot what it was, a processor. Yeah. Which is what I would fall under big time. It's where my mind, my heart, everything that I am is 
in the structure of that moment. And what I mean by that is like, I go to work, you know, when I clock in, that's like work Adam. Elder Adam does not really come out at that point. Now, that's not to say that my faith does not change the way I interact with people, and I will always look for an opportunity to live out and share the gospel with others. But that's a different personality. Uh, whenever I'm meeting with someone, like if I'm going to go get coffee with someone for an hour and a half, it's like that hour and a half, they're right in front of me. They have my full attention. It's like what happened at work? Not going to affect that meeting necessarily. Uh, and, you know, just like all these different roles. Remember we did the identity podcast and that was one of my questions. It's like, which which one of those is the most accurate version of myself? And the answer, well, they're all equal mm-hmm. versions of myself. I am me. And that's the way that it goes. But I'm pretty good at setting boundaries. Now, that's to say, if we plan on meeting up for an hour and a half for coffee, an hour and 31 minutes comes up, I'm done. Like, you just had an hour and a half investment of everything, but, you know, I'm moving on to something. I am fully invested in where I am at that moment. So we're talking right now about not having, you know, life outside of church. There are a lot of pastors. I mean, they have to play that same role in all these other roles that don't require them to be in that role. Like you said, there's no turning that off. And that kind of lends us over to, those are the seven things. We're going seven for seven. You're affirming, confirming all seven of those. I guess I do too. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I do want to reiterate. Yes. Pro, can, you, can you repeat all seven just back to back to back to back to back real quick? <sighs> I know. Demands from the podcast. Uh, number one, 24-hour mentality. Okay. Number two. Affirmed. Conflict criticism. Affirmed. Number three, unreasonable expectations. Affirmed. Number four, church not equipped. Affirmed. Number five, no friends. Affirmed. Number six, not su- not suited for some task. I don't know. It's like I'm terrible at this. Uh, not suited for some yeah. task. Affirmed. Number seven is no life outside of the church. All right. All seven affirmed, but I am once again by and large, pastors allow themselves to be put into those positions. And, and they have to help educate their churches. Leaders have to help educate their organizations. And we have to be honest with ourselves and then work together towards not having those things. That's why, in all honesty, seven years in, you know, some ups and downs, some, some brutal moments in seven years with the church – um, where at one point, you know, we dropped literally by half in, in the people that were coming on Sundays, and that was within the first two years. Within the first two years, we had jumped. Actually, within the first year and a half, we had jumped to from eight to about 140 and then dropped back down to 70. We've moved locations twice. We've had key leadership leave, um, move away, things like that. Nothing bad on that part bring in new leadership. I mean, just a lot of transition. And, and I can wholeheartedly, 100% say, I have no desire to be anywhere else. I don't want to be around another church other than grassroots. I love our people. I love where we're at. I don't, and I think it's because the church and the leadership together are working towards the common goal. I'm not on an island. I have friends. I have a life outside of the church. You know, I, I know my strengths and weaknesses and, and all those things combined with the church partnering with us as elders and leaders that we are sharing in the burden 
that um, it's a family. We're good to go. It's a dysfunctional, beautiful family. Absolutely. All right. Translation here. Give me. Give me about uh, ten minutes here. We're gonna conclude this. I did reach out to our boy JMC. We miss you, JMC. Anyway, he knows a lot about a lot, especially when it comes to leadership. And I asked him yesterday by your request after I sent you the list that you didn't read. You're like, hey, check with JMC, and I was like, okay, yeah, sorry. No, it's cool. I like springing it on you spontaneously. It actually, I think it was more authentic that way. Okay. But yeah, he did give me a couple good resources. He did recommend one book called Leading on Leading on Empty. Check that out by a pastor from Hawaii, he said. But he goes on to that to give advice. This is JMC giving advice kind of on the whim of how pastors, church leaders, leaders in general should combat burnout. First thing we've kind of touched on it was boundaries. Mm. You know, family is family. You need family time. Matter of fact, we were recording podcasts on Thursday nights. And I'm like, hey, because of my work schedule, we can start going back to other days of the week. And like, that's great because Thursday night is family night. And it's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to take that from you guys. My bad. But then again, I'm family because I'm going to be at that number one tier with Kelly. Boom. But anyway, boundaries. Yeah. If you are a professional, it's, you got to leave work at work create hobbies, invest in those hobbies, kind of spread yourselves out with boundaries. So according to JMC, I think that's great advice. Almost all those seven things that we talked about, boundaries. Yep. Uh, second thing JMC mentioned was, I see, I wrote it down. Let's see if I can think about it off the top of my head. Boundaries. Oh, something, I wanted to have a podcast about this topic. It's funny he mentioned it, and I think we'll get to it eventually. Self-help, self-preservation. I joke about self-help stuff quite a lot because a lot of self-help, self-improvement material I think is just not good. But it is good to preserve yourself and keep yourself healthy. Yes. Body, mind, soul, be healthy in those things. So he mentioned, and this is such a good point, with pastors, the expectation is that or Christians actually in general, you serve, you sacrifice, you you give. give, It's more blessed to give give than to receive. But you have to take care of yourself. Whenever I started coming to grassroots, but one of the times, like back at the beginning, going through James. And that was one thing that you hammered home constantly. It's, you know, when you're on a plane and it's about to crash, before you can help anybody else, you have to help yourself. If you don't help yourself first, you can't help the person beside you. Yeah, which it sounds, it sounds selfish. But I I was talking to Lane yesterday during group, and he's been taking care of his dad, but he had to step out of the situation and come home because he said, I, my health is starting to be affected. And, and the whole thing is, it sounds selfish. Like, I can't stay here and help you anymore because I'm starting to be affected. You cannot effectively help others if you are not in a place personally to help. If you're broken down mentally, emotionally, physically, and then trying to help others, it's not going to be in a healthy way. It's not going to be good. And so, yeah, you definitely put the mask on first before you can help those around you. Is that a reference to COVID? I'm I know it's about the plane, the oxygen mask, both. but it's both. Oh, be careful there. But take care of yourselves. Get rest. Stay hydrated. I don't know. Which, take a break. Relax. Let's give the caveat. If all of a sudden you realize every single day seems to be about you need to take care of yourself, ah, we might need to have a different conversation. No, you take care of yourself to better equip yourself to take care of others. That brings me to a third. So, yeah, set up boundaries. I think that's great. Preserve yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of your mind. Take care of your body. Rest. Relax. 
because you're better equipped to help poor into others. Number three, and this is kind of just a, an Adam thing over here. I'm back into some C.S. Lewis, not so much his writings, more of his biography, him as a person. And I was watching a biography, and they mentioned something about his conversion from what many would call pragmatic, rational atheism to Christianity. And one aspect of that was this idea of joy. Joy is an essential part of life. Like, there's no life to, there's no, if there's no joy in something, there's no life in it. You, you got to have joy. But when it comes to burnout, from a broader perspective, it seems like people who love something have lost joy in it. Something they thought would bring them joy. They worked hard at it. They spend all that energy and invest in this thing, and it's just not fun anymore. I've actually witnessed people quitting their job in front of me by telling our manager, it's not fun anymore. Marriages. It's just not fun anymore. There's no joy there. Careers. All those things we talked about. Counseling. Yeah, I'm helping people. It's just not fun. There's no joy in there. But anyway, the point is, joy is a central part of life. Whenever joy is pulled out, yeah, you're you're going to burn out. You don't enjoy it anymore. But anyway, so you think about joy, this idea of joy. And this is coming from C.S. Lewis. The idea, the prevailing thought, once again, is that joy comes from a desire that is satisfied. And that's what he thought whenever he was a pragmatic, rational atheist. Joy comes from a desire that is satisfied. He said he had it backwards. Joy comes from having a desire that is more desirable than any satisfaction can satisfy. A desire that's more desirable than the satisfaction of any desire. So joy goes beyond us. It is incredible. I, I know that sounds complicated. I, want, I feel like I'm uh, being kind of preachy here. I want to tell everyone now, if you take notes, a desire that's more desirable than any satisfaction can satisfy. But... For me, holidays. I like looking forward to the holidays and the actual holiday itself. Yeah. Agreed. That is so much better. Christmas Day itself is not near as cool as the Christmas season. So if you were to check, I think if every person were to check, if they're experiencing some type of burnout, what is it that you actually desire? And what is it that you think will satisfy that? Uh, One of my favorite YouTubers, I got to go here, Millennial, Wheezy Waiter, check him out. Oh, he's funny. He's funny. Wheezy Waiter, awesome dude. He's funny. He's from Wisconsin, Green Bay Packer fan. He makes a lot of really good videos. Okay, so I was getting ready to say, I don't even have a favorite YouTuber, but I find that there are a couple of YouTubers that are, they play basketball, and they have their videos, and I watch those all the time, so I can't make fun of you. <laughs> I can't make fun of I me. Little sense of the snowflake millennial over no, here. No. Wheezy Waiter, check out his stuff. He's actually, he's pretty clean. Uh, does a lot of the crash course for history, things like that with Vlogbrothers. Anyway, he has a video about burnout where he was talking about how he burned out. He was making, I mean, almost a 1,000 videos when every video was only getting like 32 views. So he thought that his desire was being satisfied by him just working. He wanted to produce videos, wanted to make videos. That's what made him happy. Eventually, he made a career out of it, and then he burned out. It wasn't fun anymore. Turns out, For him, it's like trying to define that meaning, though. Once he found out that what he was actually desiring was to learn something new and share that with others. 
So he's putting all this investment in working hard and making videos. That's what he thought he wanted. But truly, his true desire was, well, I like learning stuff and I like talking about it in an entertaining way. Yeah. So that's really my challenge to everyone. Consider, well, if, you, if you feel the lack of joy in something, consider what is it that you desire and what is it that you think will satisfy that desire. And we can be more specific with ministry. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone will say, do the will of God. Bring glory to God. That's the whole point of ministry. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like the whole point of any business is to make money. Yeah. That's but, the point. But they would say, and, and I, two things. One, I would say, I think you can look at sports. There are a lot of people that would love to be a professional athlete because they would play the sport they love for a living and get paid a whole lot of money to do that. However, they don't think about the fact that, you know, for, for basketball, Typically, obviously not 2020, but um, the season starts in the summer when you start having workouts and you start having camps to get ready. And then the games start and you're on the road for most of the year. And then you have the workouts when the games aren't going on. And then off season, you need to keep working out. And so it's like all of a sudden this game is a job. And if you yeah. want to stay in the game, you got to be good at the job. And so there, there is a loss of joy where we look at ministry, and we would totally say, glory to God in the highest. Like, that is what we want. But on the side, you know, kind of getting to the side of my mic here. He's literally like, turning to the side. Yes, on the side, we would say, but God, give me a big church. Like, glory to you, but because I'm giving glory to you, I should have a bigger church. And, and if, yeah, if what does he actually desire? Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're, if, you're, if you're working towards this idea that I should always have a church that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, so we start with eight, you know, by the time I'm gone, we should be running thousands. It's, if it doesn't continue moving that direction, all of a sudden, I'm looking around going, why am I here? What am I doing? Loss of identity. For those of us, and I will myself in this, it's like, I want fame, I want fortune, Absolutely. So it's one thing to say, I want fame, I want fortune. What will satisfy that? More money and more reputation. But in the end, the actual true desire there is comfort. I want to be comfortable, which suddenly means that, well, you can be comfortable and not have money. It's understanding what is it that you desire, a desire that's more desirable than any satisfaction that can satisfy a desire. Affirmed. Hmm. <laughs> But hey, I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's a recipe for joy. Either way, let us know. Grassrootswv.com. Give us feedback. Yeah, feedback. Feedback. Just give us some feedback, y'all. Give us some feedback. If you've made it this far, you're awesome. Hopefully, you were blessed by this podcast. Again, give us feedback. Positive, negative. Just don't be mean. It's 2020. 2020 is hard enough. Don't 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 be mean to us. But we love you guys. Have some great podcasts coming up. Stay tuned. Till then. <laughs>